Hello, Googleization Nation, and welcome to Beyond the Office, Building and Leading Remote Teams, a GGG Unleashed podcast with thought leader Bill Keller. You'll get the latest research, trends, and tips on remote work to build and lead cohesive teams around the world for the future of work. Let's begin. Hi, I'm Bill Keller with Beyond the Office, leading and building remote teams. And on today's episode, we have a special guest, Jim Wall, business coach and business consultant. And one of the reasons that we wanted to have Jim on the show with us today is because he works with us at Staffing Global to help grow our people. And we're excited to have you on today. How are you today, Jim? Bill, I'm doing great. It's uh, very good to see you again. Well, it's great to see you and great to uh, spend some time with you this morning. We always appreciate uh, your words of wisdom and the way that you help our people. Um, I've known Jim for many, many years. I worked with him when I was at a previous company, and it's just been an awesome relationship. And over the years, we've got to know each other even more, and I appreciate his wisdom. And if you look behind him in his setup, that's not uh, a virtual background like you see many people have. Those are all of Jim's books, and you can see that, uh, like me, it's one of the reasons I think we get along so well, is he is an avid reader and uh, just sucks up the information, but the great thing is he's able to then use that information to impart it to others. So, great to have you on the show today. So, oh, we're going to get started here. Go ahead, Jim. Oh, just going to say, thanks again, Bill, for, the, for that kind introduction. I really appreciate it. And I also remember those many conversations you and I, and I would have over the years and uh, certainly have valued uh, our friendship and relationship. Well, the feeling's mutual. So I want to dive into first about your coaching. What's driven you to pursue coaching? Because that that's not necessarily where you started in your career, but I know it's your love and it's your passion. Yeah, it's a great way to put it. So my background's actually in operations and marketing, and I did both of those things for many years. As I was doing that work, I realized how much I enjoyed mentoring younger leaders and seeing them flourish. So in addition to seeing that in my professional life, I also saw in my personal life, people would, would approach me and ask, me to, hey, can you can you mentor me? And uh, after a while, it became evident, wow, this is something that I enjoy. I found it rewarding. So then in 2017, I started taking steps to become credentialed by the International Coaching Federation and then achieved my credential as a coach in 2020. So a couple of years after that, I made the leap. I became self-employed as a full-time coach consultant. Bill, in the last few years, God's been good. He's continued to provide not only for our finances, but I have found great joy in this work also. And that's evident uh, as you work with our people. We see that passion and uh, that love for coaching and for people. So uh, we really appreciate that. It's always been a passion of mine. I shouldn't say always, but I don't know, for at least 20 or 30 years, people have spoken into my life and I felt that it's imperative that I give that opportunity to others. And some of you might already know that I have a twofold mission in life and it's uh, to help people, give people opportunities and to help them to grow. And so while I love doing coaching myself, I don't always get the time to do it. So it's important enough that we bring people like Jim onto the team to help our people, to give them the opportunities that they might not get themselves in, in their country or, or the place where they live. So I really appreciate that you're an extension of that. Thank you, Bill. I think it's one of the reasons you and I got got along so well over the years. The reality is for you and me, I believe the part of our approach 
and the thing that we resonate with together is okay we have this opportunity in the in the context of a business to help people grow reach their potential thrive develop yeah and i think that's a wavelength that you and i have both um, experienced over the years and this is where people spend the most time <laughs> you know you probably <laughs> spend right? you spend more time at work than you do with your spouse or at home or even probably even sleeping and so you know this is the opportunity yeah. to to make a real difference here and people often say oh okay i go work here but then i make a difference over at this charity or other place. And I think the real work is actually at work to make a difference in people's lives. So uh. Right. And Bill, if you don't mind, I'll push that one step further. Um, and people are certainly welcome to disagree with this. But I think essentially what you're talking about is a mindset. So like ultimately, what is the purpose of my business as a business owner or as a key leader in a business? What are we What are we about? What are we doing here? Um, what is our why, if you want to use that terminology? And a part of that is a mindset toward, hey, how about if we're maximizing the potential of our team, not only is there like, in my opinion, an inherent joy in that, I think there's literally literally a competitive advantage to that. An ROI that comes when by and large, your approach to your business is, let's bring out the best in our people. And then what you see downstream of that is increased performance. And I, I say that carefully because I don't believe in manipulating people into performance, but I think if you bring out their potential, they naturally, you naturally see them get into spaces where they're, their performance does improve. And that is literally a competitive advantage. And for me, it's exciting. So it's something that brings me a lot of great joy. Language is something that often when people think about working with somebody overseas, it's one of the things like, ah, I've talked with somebody on the phone today, I couldn't understand them. And you're working in a probably even a more technical or a more nuanced way with them. So how have you found uh, communicating with people who English might not be their first language? How does that affect the coaching process and, and how have you kind of overcome that? Well, first of all, me personally, I'm always impressed by how many people around the world have at least a basic understanding of English. And jumping into Staffing Global for a minute, your team's command of the English language is, is exceptional. So when I'm coaching your team, I would say that, I don't know, 99% of the time in our Zoom conversations, we're going full speed, having a conversation just like you and I are. Once in a while, I'll ask a team member to repeat something more slowly, but that's actually a, a pretty rare thing. I take the position on this that their English is much, much better than my Hindi, much, much better than my Spanish. That means they've made the effort. They want to do better at the language. And I mean, just people in general, they want to communicate well with your team, Bill, the, the folks that you've brought on, they've worked at it. They're actually quite accomplished in their English communication. So it hasn't been too much of a drawback in the... It hasn't. I gotta admit something to you, Bill. And here again, don't tell anybody I said this, especially your team. <laughs> Honestly, though, this is absolutely the, the case. I've had conversations with some of your team members, Bill, in which, you know, we might be trying to talk about a, a concept, whether it's personal, professional development stuff. And I'll ask them, you know, to give me their overview of the concept, what it means to them. Literally, their verbiage, their use of the English language to convey something that I, I think can can kind of be abstract. It's better than mine. <laughs> this is a weird thing to have to um, admit to, but I'm quite impressed by their ability to communicate, not only on a technical level, but even to take something that might be tend toward more somewhat abstraction and put that in words. It's a combination for your team. Well, that's wonderful. So as a, as a coach, 
and this would be cross-culturally or otherwise, do you have any communication tips for us to build deeper connections with our teams, whether it be in the U.S. or around the world? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I think the same things that allow for a great communi communication in our own culture also works cross-culturally. So for instance, I'm a big believer in active listening. A lot of this relates to Stephen Covey's approach to seeking first to listen, then to understand. You know, we when we're communicating with someone, we have a tendency to, let's say when we're talking to someone, we have a tendency to be distracted, we're thinking about something else. We have a tendency to uh, want to kind of jump in without really hearing them fully, without hearing them all the way through. We tend to short circuit the process and we jump in early. We, we tell them, oh, well, this happened to me. And, and we tend to make the conversation about ourselves and the things that we want to express, the things that we want to say. The whole time we're missing what they're saying. So this crosses cultures. If you want to communicate well with somebody, you really have to actively listening, listen to them. Uh, that, that includes listening well, includes listening empathetically, trying to understand what's underneath what they're saying. So that would be the first thing I would say about that. I also would mention that um, I'd be aware of nonverbal cues. I keep trying to figure out the number for this, but at least 50% of communication is nonverbal. So clearly that's a huge thing no matter no matter where you are. Um, and I try to be aware of that. I try to be aware of my clients' nonverbals as well as my own and to kind of use those cues and pick up on them. One of the things that's uh, important here is that our faces tend to convey micro expressions, expressions that come and go very quickly on our face, very little knowledge or control over those. So the application to that is you can't fake interest in a person or in a conversation for too long. You just can't. So the best way to have a deeper, let's say create a deeper connection with someone cross-culturally, have a genuine, authentic interest in them and what they're saying. In the same way that, you know, Bill, when you and I would sit across the table over lunch and we were talking about you know, how things were going, you would know if I was interested. And this applies to anyone. Have a genuine, authentic interest in what they are saying. Have a genu genuine, authentic interest in them. We're all real good at detecting fakeness, fake. And as a result, you will not get a deeper connection when you're faking it. So it's got to be real. It's got to be intentional. It's got to be short of manipulation. You don't pay attention to someone to manipulate them into a corner. You pay attention because they are, they have inherent value and what they're discussing is important to you. If it's not important to you, you don't need to have that conversation move on. But if you're having a conversation, I would put out there, it must be important. That's awesome. So have that focus on them, have that interest, that desire to help them and really be putting their message first before you seek to get your message out is what I hear you saying. And, and that's great for any culture. And that's great whether you don't have to be a coach. Like obviously this is stuff that I, you know, I immerse myself in this stuff and I get that. But even before I got I did any training as a coach, people that mentored me would explain to me, we would talk about coaching in a business setting without even talking about the, the discipline or the structure of coaching, quote unquote. You know, just how do you bring it the most out of an employee? And a big part of that has got to be wanting to bring out their best. And if you're going to want to bring out somebody's best, they have to have a certain level of value to you. You can't bring out their best short of that. So these those things do tie together. And again, when it's done authentically over a period of time, it I think it has an impact on folks. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on is because you've worked in, in management for many years, you've worked with a lot of different people. I think a lot of our listeners 
are curious, like, what's it like to work with somebody overseas? There's lots of fear. There's lots of things that are unknown. You, they know people in the U.S. They know what to expect. And I think it was Donald Rumsfeld who once said, you know, there's known unknowns and then there's unknown unknowns. And so for people that decide to work with somebody overseas, there's a lot of unknown unknowns. So could you kind of compare and contrast your experience? And I know that you haven't necessarily had a management, but as a coach, how do you look at people differently? You know, like what are their skill sets? How do you how do you uh, see them and say, you know, very honestly, hey, they're really good at this. They're, they're not as good at this. This is a challenge. This is, you know, easier in the U.S. This is harder in the U.S. How do you define that? Yeah. So on the management side, which would which would be U.S. in my own experience, I've though I've just been really fortunate. I've had the opportunity to mentor high quality individuals that I've managed. And of course, that's, you know, that's good for me. That's good for them. That's good for the company. That's just a great thing. That being said, I've also, and I've learned that sometimes a person, and I'm referring to us sometimes a person might not be interested in growing uh, for whatever reason so in those cases coaching or mentoring it'll only bring about a limited amount of benefit you know you can manage people to execute on the goals that you have for them but in terms of growing say personal professional development to be blunt if they're if they're not interested in that they're self-limiting the benefit of coaching so for instance, one of the ways I would apply, like if as a manager or an HR person, if I was actively looking for people to hire, I would actually look for people who have some sort of a track record of continuous growth. I mean, between the their, their resume and interviewing, you can kind of discern, okay, what's their schooling like? Have they gone after certification certifications? When you interview them, do they seem curious in interviews? There's a way to identify that there's a level of curiosity in them, a, a desire for growing, then that's, as someone who's looked at hundreds, maybe thousands of resumes, that's something that would jump out at me and it would make me consider that person as a possibility. Related to Staffing Global, uh, the people that I work with inside of Staffing Global, they are talented and focused. I mean, that's part of the reason that they were hired. So for me, I'm already working with team members that have built in motivation. Your team members might have already received significant amount of schooling. They might have I don't know, several years of experience. Even so, they still have an interest in getting better and in growing. And when someone has that basic uh, approach to life or to their work. Yes, it's it's a much easier, I'll be blunt, it's a much easier job for me. It's a much easier task for me to work with that type of individual. Well, I love to hear that, that the people are excited and, you know, they're they're looking to grow because that's the, the type of culture we're looking to create. And so it's uh, wonderful that's that's been your experience. So is there something, this is kind of more just something you've noticed, but is there something that's been surprising to you working cross-culturally that you weren't expecting when you first started in to this position? I would say your team members are very respectful, very respectful. Now, I was anticipating that going in. You and I actually had conversations about that. I, in the past, I've worked a bit in other countries, including India, and that cultural bias toward being respectful is certainly there. The level of respect among your team members is significant and I think appropriate. So if I was to say the hardest thing for me uh, when I'm interacting with your team is to avoid references that are U.S. 
based cultural references. So for an example, I might be talking about, I don't know, like a football <laughs> coach's leadership philosophy, and they might think I'm talking about a different sport, which what we, is what we would call soccer. So I'm glad that when I was in India, I at least I played cricket when I was there uh, many years ago. So I don't mistake that sport for baseball. So yeah, when I'm interacting with, with folks cross-culturally, probably I think the thing I have to work that I work on the most is avoiding cultural references that might not mean a lot. So I try to try to keep it more universal, more general. And that's and sometimes I'll actually even go through the process of explaining them, you know, the cultural references so to give them more context as they work with some of the American. But that is very true. We take so many things for granted in our conversations. And I think that goes back to really, you know, focusing on them and understanding what what they're saying and how do we deconstruct our conversations so that we understand and make ourselves clear. You know, that's the other side of that. We talked about how are we actively listening, but then when we're communicating with them is, you know, what are, when I say this, what is it, what does that actually mean? Would that have any meaning to them? <laughs> you know, because there's just all of this history that we have, whether it's a baseball analogy, a football analogy, or any other thing that we might have that's, that's so different, even just coffee, coffee, culture compared to tea culture, any of these things that, uh, you know, we think on the surface, they, they do provide some sort of separation. But at the same time is, is when you just take a, a few minutes to be intentional, you can say, oh, maybe that's not quite the case with them. And maybe I need to, to communicate in a different way. So oh, Bill, that is that is so well put. Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, no matter who you're having a conversation with, you want to be direct and, and clear. And so I think just having that self-awareness whether you're talking to your brother-in-law or somebody in a different country. The goal from our communication outward is to be direct and to be clear. So direct and clarity. To that point, just being aware of it helps. So if you're in the middle of a conversation with somebody and they're in another country, just be aware that you're, you're going to speak, for instance, you're going to speak idiomatically, meaning you might drop a phrase in there like, oh, so my brother grew a foot at college. For somebody in the U.S., that's that's a reasonable statement, but it's an idiom. For us, it means like they grew, they were young and they grew another 12 inches in height. For people in other countries, they might find it to be a weird thing to grow a third foot. So it helps to just be aware as you're speaking, be thinking in the back of your mind, am I being direct? More importantly, and to your point earlier, am I being clear? Those two things will go a long way toward really high level communication. So. And, and I think that goes to the next part. Do you have any specific tools uh, that you help people on their growth journey with that you could share with us? Like one or two things that they're kind of like your go-to tools in your toolbox. Yeah, I do. I do. So the first one is I'm a really big believer in having at least a basic understanding of your mission and vision. You know, in other words, why you're put on the earth. To speak to an earlier point, there's, there's a certain amount of joy, a certain amount of energy when people sort of unwrap that for themselves. Also, it's a great foundation to build off when you're discussing goals. Let me personalize this to you, Bill. Like one of your overarching goals in your life is to help people reach their 
fullest potential. And so that's like your, you know, long, long view goal, the goal that's out there, mission or vision, that's part of who you are. But then that gets exhibited in the short, mid and long term goals that you have for yourself and for your business. So part of a tool that people can use for themselves is to kind of get a handle on kind of why am I here? And then once you have that kind of true north in place, it enables you to then bring that down into very direct application as to, uh, okay, let me, let me develop my goals for the next year, for this business, for me personally. There are, for this type of thing, Bill, there are assessments on the internet. You can, you can get those, uh, download those. I also have a, a PDF that I use and I make it available to my clients. So that would be the first thing I, I would say, just get a handle on why you're here. Think, you know, just get a handle on that. That'll permeate through and really be helpful to you. A hidden tool that uh, you don't have to be trained as a coach or anything for this. Everybody can do this, but a hidden tool is part of who you are as a person. And that tool is curiosity. And I'll press it further, insatiable curiosity. If you have insatiable curiosity, not only will you grow, but you'll put yourself in a position to help others grow. I tend to think we take curiosity for granted. We don't really think about it. It's just uh, part of the air that we breathe, but I think it's an incredibly helpful tool. And so maybe an application for this would be just to spend a day purposefully, actively being curious. And then at the end of the day, see if that benefited you or not. My guess is it will. And then I would suggest if it does, try to cultivate an overall mindset of curiosity. How can I do this with my business? How can I do this with my personnel? How can I do this with my family? Curiosity is the first step to getting you to those things. So those are the tool tools I would mention. I love that. I love, you know, I was telling my team, you know, about being curious just the other day and how how important that is to ask the questions. And I think that so many times we kind of beat that out of our, our young children. It's like, oh, okay, why, why, why? And I'm, I'm sick of hearing why, right? You know, and, and like, no, go away. And, and but really encouraging that curiosity is super important, both in your teams and in your children. And I love that. So as we're getting close to the end here, what advice would you give a company or business leader that's open to hiring people overseas, but you know still might have some apprehension? You're on the coaching side, so you see them people sharing sometimes some some very deep things, and and you also see what type of work that they're able to do and interact with them in a very deep way. What type of advice would you give to that business owner who's thinking about this? Where I would go with this, Bill, is I think that companies like Staffing Global they've removed a lot of the unknown, a lot of the mystery of what will happen if you hire somebody from overseas so you know as a business leader here's what you'll you get uh, as a result of doing this and this is what i mean by taking the mystery out you'll know the expense going in you'll know that you'll have a talented focused staff person whose training and experience is very much up to the task you know that that person will interact professionally and respectfully with you and your team so as we say i'll, I'll use an idiom here as we say in the us the proof is in the pudding so for Staffing Global, for instance, you could try Staffing Global for a few months at a very low risk and yet with a high potential of rewards. One of the reasons I like working with entrepreneurs is that they are willing to operate in innovative spaces. Here's the reality. International staffing for US-based companies is one of the most significant innovations in global businesses over the last generation, especially in the last five to 10 years. So to me, 
it's worth a try. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, well, thanks so much for your time today, Jim. This has been an awesome. Love having these conversations. Have a wonderful day. And thanks for joining us here on Beyond the Office, leading and building remote teams. So if you'd like to learn more about remote staffing, feel free to message us for our free guide, The Seven Deadly Sins of Remote Staffing, and how to make sure that you don't commit them and you're successful in your remote hiring journey. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in and digging deep into what's ahead for the future of remote work. We'll be back next month with Bill for another episode. But until then, please visit Staffing Global's website for additional resources at staffdifferent.com. And remember, don't let the shift hit your plans.